but welcome into Navigating Change with Shane and Mike across from me. Shane Bishop, my name is Mike Wooten. We are glad that you're joining us for the show today. And on today's show, we're going to talk about conflict resolution. We all have conflict going on in our lives on a daily basis, maybe with our marriages. It may be with a neighbor. It may be at work. It may be whenever we go to the restaurant and the waiter gets the order wrong. How do we deal with that conflict? And how do we do it as followers of Christ? Well, that's what Shane and I are going to talk about today. And speaking of Shane, here he comes now. Shane Bishop, how are you doing? I am well, Mike. How are you? I'm doing just fine. I'm glad to have a cup of coffee and be sitting with you. We both have coffee. As it turns out, it's a rainy day where we are. A little cool. Cooler than it was yesterday. Kind of a coffee sort of day. It's a great coffee day. Of course, where we're at in the United States, it was uh, 85 degrees a few days ago. Maybe 80, I think about 85 degrees a few days ago. And now we're back to a 61 degree high. The weather the can fluctuate 30, 40 degrees in a yeah. day here. It's yeah. just part of the Midwest. Right. You know, and people always ask me where we're located. I yeah. tell them somewhere in middle America. It's like you died and went to a Counting Crows song. That's right. Uh, and for a mega church, which we are a part of, across the street, people may think that there's like a bustling city. Yeah, or right. Something like that. That's not the case across the street from Christ it's a church. cornfield. We have a cornfield <laughs> across the tree, street. But I do understand it's just been sold. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just been sold. So we'll see what it is. But, yeah, yeah, I think it's one of the unique things about us, Mike. We are, what, 15 minutes from Bush Stadium, downtown Mm -hmm. St. Louis. Yeah. And you go the other direction. We are 15 minutes from open-air country. We're on the outside of Scott Air Force Base. So you've kind of got the industrial oil fields up to the north of us. Kind of an interesting confluence of areas. Yeah, and for someone like me, I love it that I could go to a city just yeah. like that and enjoy you know, parts of a city, a restaurant, like going to the Hill, mm-hmm. which I love to do, Italian neighborhood over there in uh, St. Louis. Uh, or I can just be out and, uh, and, and be in this area and kind of just stay in the suburbs. I love it. Yeah, what I really enjoy about the city is never going there, Mike. That's what I enjoy Did you most. ever like going to the city? Probably more so when I was younger. Yeah. But these days, I just kind of don't like the traffic as much. like life a little quieter. Yeah. And so I kind of live 30 minutes the other direction yeah. in a cabin in the middle of nowhere. We have somewhat checked out, Mike. <laughs> I understand that. I'm going to give you a weak sauce story real quick. Whenever I love I, weak sauce I know stories. You do. I'm just setting myself up, but so I'm from a town of about fifteen thousand, uh, Rantoul, Illinois. I never really went to Chicago a lot living there. Well, I went to Chicago Bulls game when I was about twenty years old. Went up to the city, and I remember just from being in the city, I was getting headaches. <laughs> just from being, I walking downtown Michigan Avenue, even uh, I would just get a headache. But you know, as time has gone by, I've lived in a city, so now I've gotten used to it. I like it. See, I was born up in that neck of the woods. I was born up in DeKalb County in a town called Sandwich. Have you ever heard of Sandwich, Illinois? No, I have not. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. It's just a small town outside of things, kind of, yeah, it's sort of continue that theme now. But yes, when I was a kid, you, like for baseball signups, you yeah. would have to write your hometown. Yeah. And I always write Sandwich, and then whoever was after me, they normally didn't read the instructions. They thought they were writing down what we were bringing to a picnic. So they would yeah. write potato salad or something like that. But yeah, yeah. I was born in Sandwich, Illinois. Well, speaking of sandwich, uh, we're going to have a soft 
football game. Yes, we are. In, in uh, the next about month, I guess, already, because a yeah. month and a week I wanted to give so. people time to train. Yeah, absolutely. Cut down from six donuts a day to five. That's yeah. really where we're going. Well, speaking of sandwich, there is a... Uh, a method in fielding yes. uh, that I know they teach kiddos. It's either alligator or sandwich, yeah, I believe. Yeah. And all it is is when a ground ball comes your way, what you should do is not only should you put your glove on the ground, you should also put your other hand on top of the glove Correct. so it doesn't pop up yeah. and, and hit you in the face or something like that, right? Yeah. Well, I have uh, I was hitting some balls out at our softball field nearby, and I was there with a guy named Ryan who's on staff here. Okay. He was out fielding. He's a guitar player. He is a guitar player. Does he feel player. like a guitar player? Well, I think if you saw him in the field, you would, you would say <laughs> right, he is a right. guitar player. Gotcha, and so gotcha. I hit a, a ball his way, and he did not know about the sandwich technique. Oh, good. And yeah. so it, sure enough, he went to ground the ball, it hit his glove, and now he has stitches on his forehead from stitching, excuse me, from the softball. Oh, I've got you. Yeah, put a little, give him a little stitch kiss yeah. on, on the top. Okay, is that what it's called? Yeah. So that's kind of cool because he now has hard nose points. And let's be real honest, it's hard for guitar players to accumulate hard-nosed points in an athletic sense. Yeah. You go out there, and by sheer, utter incompetence, a ball takes a bad hop, pops you in the head. If he would have gotten really lucky, think about this. What if it's two inches lower, and he's got a black eye? Yeah. You talk about hard-nosed points, man. Is that that like a seven? Seven hard-nosed points for a black eye? Probably three for a stitch kiss. Yeah. In the old forehead. Yeah. Black eyes, I think you look Black eyes are awesome. They are awesome. There's no doubt about it. All right, let's move into our content today. We're talking about conflict resolution. Which can result in black eyes. (laughs) It It, has before. It has before, and that's probably unhealthy. Unhealthy. Conflict resolution. We're going to try to go somewhere else. You're probably not doing it right. It's a little bit like the alligator method. If the ball hits you in the forehead and gives you a stitch kiss, you probably... We're not fielding it right. And in the same sense, if you get a black eye as a result of unresolved conflict resolution, you're probably... Yeah. Maybe you could do some things a little better. Maybe we can help with that. Absolutely. I actually got popped in the eye when I was a little kid because I wasn't playing tag the right way. Is that right? Somebody just socked you. Yeah, there was no conversation. They didn't like it and they just punched me. That's good to know. (laughs) All right, so let's move into this today. Uh, From a biblical sense, there's scripture... Matthew 18, that can really help guide a Christian through uh, that process of resolving conflict in a healthy way. I thought we could start there today uh, and just kind of take our listeners through that so that they could uh, have some of those biblical tools. Yeah, I think the essence of the passage is, is Jesus is just saying, in, in, if you're going to be a follower of me, this isn't necessarily how the world resolves conflict. If you're going to be a follower of me, here's what we're going to do. And if I had to sum it up in the simplest of all ways, we're going to talk to people, not about people. Hmm. That's really it, Mike. Yeah. We're going to talk to people, not about people. So if I've got a concern with you, Mike, for example, let's say theoretically you gave me a windbreaker Mm -hmm. that was a navigating change with Shane and Mike windbreaker. And it was so cheaply made Mm -hmm. that the seam just came out on the side. Yeah. If I had a concern about that, I certainly wouldn't be airing it on a podcast. No, no, no. no. I would call you personally if I were doing this as Jesus instructed, which possibly (laughs) I didn't two episodes ago. That being said, Mm -hmm. uh, the whole idea is if you get a little cross-threaded with somebody, just talk directly to them. Because the reality is 
a lot of things are easy to fix early. But the yeah. longer you wait, the, the worse it gets. And I always think about a weed growing in a garden. When that weed first pops its head up, you can take your index finger right. and your thumb, you can pull that thing out, and, and it's just done. Yeah. You wait three months, that thing could be the size of a tree, mm. and when you pull that root system out, yeah. it, it could take a bowling ball out of your garden. So I think what Jesus was talking about is let's handle things directly, yeah. let's catch them early, and let's just be open and honest. Yeah, and what I've experienced a lot with conflicts throughout the years is that immediately people want to triangulate it. You're That's talking right. about this direct uh, conversation. Triangulation will never lead to conflict resolution. Uh, that's something that we always have to watch. You said that thing about a plant. There is a plant, right, or a weed, excuse me. There's a weed right now around uh, my house. And uh, because the root system is so deep, I've had to just clip off the top and I never, it, underneath there's just a ton of roots. I can't right. pull it out, it's too strong. And I do think that sometimes when we, we wonder why something is not being resolved, and it's because that we just keep kinda, we just keep cutting the top of that weed off, but that root system is, is there. And I think triangulation is one way where that root system of that weed and that conflict just sits there for a very long time. And whenever we get out of triangulation and we're doing what you're talking about, talk with someone face-to-face, uh, -face, let's really hash this out. I think that is one way that we can just be ripped out of the ground finally. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of people have not been taught how to resolve conflict in healthy ways. They didn't have that taught in their home. They've not seen examples of it. Yeah. And, and I really think social media makes it all the more difficult to do things in this biblical way. Yeah. Because how many times do people air their frustration with a thousand of their closest friends yeah. uh, rather than yeah. talking to the source of that right. frustration? And, and for me, the Jesus method keeps drama low yeah. and it keeps the chances of resolving the conflict root and all high. Absolutely. That, that's a big part of that Matthew 18 process. Also, we see in that Matthew 18 process is that sometimes that direct communication uh, doesn't work. Right. And uh, Jesus gives us uh, another step in that. What is that step, Shane? No, the second step is you, you sort of decide upon a couple people, one or two people, to come in and just sit with you. A referee? Sure. If you will. You know, let's say the two of you just are a little too cross-threaded yeah. to, to work things out. There's not enough trust maybe left mm -hmm. to work things out. So finding somebody you both respect yes. who is objective yeah. to help mediate yeah. the situation. And I think this is a mediation kind of concept. We couldn't work it out right. directly. So we're going to get a mediator in and they're going to help us, maybe help us see the other person's side yeah. and come up with something fair and equitable in a setting where trust is restored. The objectivity uh, is so important in this situation, right? And sometimes I think that for someone who really wants to resolve conflict, you really have to think about what, like what you're saying, who is that going to be that mediator? Right. Who are we going to bring in? We can't just say, oh no, they kind of see both sides of the story. You really, from a Christian point of view, you got to pray and you kind of got to agree upon who this person is going to be. Uh, it may not be the person you necessarily like the most or right. likes you the most, but it, can this be an objective person who'd come in and really help us sort this out? Well, I think in healthy families, you have parents who, who would mediate 
conflicts between siblings. Yeah. You know, because siblings fight with each other and they want the attention of the parents, right? That's kind of what they do. Yeah. But if you've got a good parent and you got two siblings that are really, really not tracking, a good parent isn't in there to say, well, you're right or yeah, you're wrong. A good parent's in there saying, hey, guys, we're a family that's right. and we need to work this out. Right. And I think that's what Jesus is saying. If you're a follower of mine, you're part of my family and we need to work this out. So we've talked about directly handling it, uh, first step. Second step, bring in some type of mediator. And then if that still doesn't work, uh, there's a step after that, right, Shane? I would just call it arbitration. Okay. You know, a mediator kind of okay. says, this is what I think's fair and oh, try okay. to get together. But an arbitrator comes in and you say, okay, we trust you enough that whatever you decide on this, we're both going to live with okay. it. And that's that third step. You, you bring... In, in, in Jesus' language, you just bring it to the church, you know, and, and the church, the community, the, the processes of the church yes. would say, OK, we've heard everything. This is how it's going to be. And that it, you're done with it. Yeah. Then it does bring it to a conclusion. Now, it's been my uh, history, my 90 percent of things that are caught early and handled right can be handled in a one on one basis. Right. I'd say another 9%, uh, you know, can be handled at that second level. Did you say level. 9%? Well, of what's left, you know. Yeah. So I would say then by the time you get through that mediation yeah. thing, I, I think 99% of oh. things would be all cleared up. Yeah. And yeah. then that 1%, you've got to have enough trust yeah. in the person offering judgment because in a sense that person is being a judge. And mm. both sides have enough have to have enough trust and part of it is, Mike, if you're really going to reconcile it, you've got to have the humility to entertain the possibility you may just be dead wrong. Yeah. And on that note, I, a lot of times whenever there's something that maybe I don't want to do, but God is kind of, I feel like God is asking me to do, uh, I feel like I need to first sit and ask, you know, God, how are you trying to change my character? Yeah. What are you trying to do in me? And I doubt, and we're starting to hone in on humility, I doubt you can go through any of those steps unless you first say, with this possibility, am I wrong or God, how are you trying to change me in this process? Well, you know, there's the old joke, you know, when it comes to arguing with your spouse, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Right? <laughs> and for me, there, there's a, a question when I get cross-threaded with someone or they're cross-threaded with me, is do I want to be right or do I want to be godly? Do, do I want to be right or do I want to be in right relationship? Mm -hmm. And sometimes to be in right relationship means to say, you know what, being right on this can't be my number one core value. Uh, you know, let me give you an example. Let's say I pull up, uh, I am driving down the road, speed limit's 45, I'm going 45. The light's green. I have a green light. If I proceed, am I right? Absolutely. But let's imagine there's a car coming that I see out the corner of my eye and they've run the red light. Uh, am I right to keep going? Sure, it's my right. It is legal to keep going in that sense. But I have to say, there's now all of a sudden, there's something more important than that, yeah. avoiding an accident. Right. And even the law is going to say, you know what, right. we're going to give you some grace to avoid the accident. Yeah. So avoiding the accident becomes the higher core value. And for me, being in relationship has to be the higher core value. Right. It, if, if being in right relationship with you, Mike, yeah. is more important to me than being right, 
we stand a pretty good chance of working things out. If Absolutely. it's not, yeah, our chances aren't that good at all. No, it comes back to negotiation and relationship as well. That, and negotiation is a fair word. Yeah, we, sometimes we have to negotiate what the relationship's going to be like, and and I do see that with friendships on the younger side of things is that sometimes someone in their twenties will think this is how we're going to be friends forever. It's going to look like this. Well, people change. Conflicts come up, yeah. and we got to ask, is this person important to me? And if they are, uh, how do we start to understand each other in this new level of growth that maybe we're experiencing in life? Yeah, let's say, Mike, you and I, uh, people think you're older than me, but that's not really true. No. Uh, no, it's not. No, it's not really true. It's just I was already gray, and you're just, I'm just in getting hasty there. pursuit. You're just looking younger and younger, Shane. I appreciate that. You're, you're like Benjamin Button. I, I, You know what? That's what I've always wanted to be. Uh, yeah, that's it's, it's like a big goal of mine. But let's imagine you and me were uh, college buddies, and, and we were best friends, you know, best friends. And then all of a sudden, you meet a girl, and she takes up more and more of your time. You tell me, hey, I think she is the right girl for me. Mm -hmm. uh, part of what's going to have to be navigated is our friendship, yeah. because I am no longer going to be the number one priority yeah. in your life. She is. Yeah. So how does that all work now? If you don't have conversation about it, that can end up pretty cross-threaded. Yeah. If you do have conversation about yeah. it, it can be uh, something that is navigable. So I think those kind of negotiations don't mean you're right or wrong. They're just changing circumstances yeah. and how do we gracefully roll that's in. That's right. And in that situation, it's so hard for young men to get oh, to do that in general. I think probably men in general. But I think that's how you presented it. It is an invitation into maturity. That's correct. Like, we're actually going to have to talk through this. I might not say something perfectly. I might step on your toes. But we got to get into that process. And there's some empathy, too. Let's say you... Uh, Let's say you just met Valerie, and, and you and I have been best friends, and all of a sudden you're, you're basically going to say, Shane, I am going to give you a fourth of the time I used to give you as my best friend, and I'm going to give her three quarters of the time that you used to get. Well, part of what you have to do is negotiate that, but so do I. I have to say, do I want to stay friends yes. with Mike? If so, I need to accept this situation gracefully. Yeah. Because if I just throw a lot of hate out yes. toward the person that's getting all that time, yeah. there's nothing good going to happen. So one of the things I think about a lot, Mike, is how do we play for the long game? Mm -hmm. I've had couples who were having a lot of trouble. And, and I would talk to them and I would say, what do you hope happens two years from now? And sometimes they will say, we hope we're back together and, and we have a functional relationship. Yeah. I said, then you need to make sure you don't do anything now that's going to make that really, really difficult. Right. So, for example, you don't need to run to your parents and tell them what a terrible person your spouse is because after you and your spouse reconcile, sure. they're still going to have bad feelings toward your spouse. Right. So don't act in a way as you make your long-term hope uh, become, well, nearly impossible. Yeah. So part of relationships and navigating that is just playing for the long game. Yes. And there are times that that has to be very, very intentional. And it almost always involves impulse control. Right. Yeah, you're making me think a lot about this long game uh, idea. And I just wonder, I don't think there's a lot of people, at least early in life, who really think about the long uh, term relationships and the conflicts that could come up in them. I th don't you think that a lot of people earlier in life, 20s, 30s, just like, I kind of get along with this person, 
or I kind of like what this person has to offer and they just become friends. How much intentionality do you see with people really think, thinking about, okay, uh, how's, this how's this friendship going to work? What's this relationship going to be like? What will it be like in five years? I just think people get together and they kind of have a nice conversation and then boom, they become friends. But I, I think there's intentionality that needs to go into that as well. My guess would be, Mike, the older people get, the more intentionality. Yeah, I bet. You know, I look at relationships, uh, you know, that maybe of, of people have in high school or something, and it's 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 about chemistry and about connect and who's popular now yeah. and all those kind of things. But it, if a lot of those people were, would really sit down and think about things, uh, <laughs> it, it's not what it appears. Right. And so for me, as I see people getting older, you know, uh, a lot of times relationships are, are in part a business decision. You know, yeah. we, we, I want somebody to share my life with. Sure. I need somebody that's compatible. Sure. That's very different than saying, wow, we got lots of chemistry. Let's just fly by the seat of our pants for 70 years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I see that maturity happening. And, and it's kind of odd to me and ironic that at times, particularly when we uh, pair up with somebody when we're very, 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 very young, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you're, you're probably less able to view that in an objective way than right. you will ever be. Right. And yet we're making lifetime decisions based on that. But I do think the older we get, the less we are run by emotion uh, and feelings, mm -hmm. and, and the more we think things through. I, I, I had some conflicts with people early or mm -hmm. in my life, and the way I handled them then would be much different than how I would handle them now. And one of the right. things for me is, is I just value friendships mm -hmm. more at this age than I did, you know, and, sure. and I value people, frankly, just value people more than I did. And I think those things change as you get older as well. Well, we've uh, visited a Jesus model, but there's one more part of this model of Matthew 18 that we haven't talked about. What if, Shane, someone simply does not want to resolve the conflict? What does Jesus say about how they should be treated? Well, it's fascinating because in the passage, Jesus essentially says, treat them like a sinner. Just and treat them like a sinner. And, and at first when we hear that, that sounds, it almost feels like cut them off, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it kind of sounds like the old Steve Martin sketch, I break with thee, I break with thee, and you throw dog poop on their <laughs> shoes. You know, it kind of seems like that. It kind of says, you know, well, you know, ostracize them, that type of thing. But if you really get looking at it, Mike, how did Jesus treat sinners? He treated sinners really, really well. And that is what really strikes me. Jesus said, if you can't reconcile it, uh, just treat them like a sinner. What does that mean in the context of a church? A, a sinner is someone for whom we have no expectations. A sinner is someone we've removed any expectations of how we think they should behave or what we think we ought to do. And it puts them in a very neutral place concerning us. And I think Jesus is saying, if you can't get this resolved, uh, don't sit and hate on them. Right. Uh, just put them in a neutral place. Right. Just set them off to the side. You're not dwelling on it. You're not spending a lot of energy, good or bad, sure. on it. But treat them well. Because if you don't, then that becomes something that's destructive to ourselves. So for me, when Jesus says, treat them like uh, sinners, he's saying, uh, treat them decently, treat them well, treat them fairly. And maybe 
even treat them better than fairly. Because at the end of the day, isn't the whole theme of the gospel is we all get better than we deserve. Amen. That is well said. Well, thank you for joining us for Navigating Change with Shane and Mike. Make sure you share our podcast, review it, let people know that it's helping you navigate the changes that you're going through. We'll see you next time. Make sure that you keep the change. Hey.